and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, one and all. This is an unprecedented, groundbreaking edition of the Court Martial Podcast and the Totally Awesome Podcast, which we will get to in a second. I am your Colonial Champion, Sean McCarty. Happy to be here for our Hell in a Cell 2020 review. And before I give them the third man our intros, I got to pass it off to my official co-host here for his podcast. He is the monster chugging, beanie wearing, always swearing, T-A-W associate, always inappropriate. <laughs> the solitary reason that YouTube refuses to monetize this program, the self-proclaimed bottom boy, your friend and ours, Josh Ageddon. Welcome to my show, and you are the host of your show. Take it away, my man. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Totally Awesome Podcast, the TAP, the worst podcast you've ever heard. It's so bad, it'll make you tap out, and God, that was such an amazing introduction. It rhymed. I'm, I'm a, it rhymed. I love rhymes. I'm 22 years old, and rhymes make me moist. Anyway, continue. Rhymes are the best, right? That is why I am also a side... Uh, rapper. I'm not getting into that. I'm not going to put the plug, but the link's in the description for all of my music. Continue. Hashtag White Nux. Yeah, I'm right. Continue. <laughs> but yeah. So um, we have our Hell in a Cell 2020 review, but we got one more my guy to introduce. And if I may, Mr. Geddon. Yes. This man is the man of the hour, the man with the power, too sweet to be sour. The man needs a shower. The cream of the crop, the top of the heap. The man with ideas, he soon tends to weep. Your friend and mine, the one, the only, Skyler Greenberg. Welcome back to the show. I'm on a highway to hell. Boom, boom. Highway the hell. That's my next gimmick. So if Skyler takes a shower, if Skyler takes a shower, can I join him? At least we now know what you sing in the shower, Sky. <laughs> and uh, and I worse. have to take I have to take that part back. I added in Joshua's uh, introduction where he is the solitary reason YouTube refuses to monetize this program because I forget that he uses copyrighted songs and sings them on this program. Absolutely. So we have. So no monetization here, but that's not what this is about. This is about Hell in a Cell 2020, a very intriguing show, WWE show featuring the good, the bad, and the ugly, as per usual. Let's start with you, Josh, again, and how did you feel overall about the show? Uh, the three Cell matches were really good. Everything else was either in or sucked. That sounds about as Josh again to review as I've ever heard it <laughs> in all the years we've been doing these yeah and, and sky what is your impression of the show it had a fantastic orgasmic beginning and then it kind of got quiet for the next two hours before it had a fantastic end That's so okay in the middle everything in the middle was a giant man it's weird how <laughs> skylar got a little bit more sexual than i did what is this man, world coming to man. I knew having both of you on the show was going to be problems. <laughs> I, I, I know right now, I'm going to try and moderate this as best as possible, but I know this is going to get weird real fast. So <laughs> if you're tuning in for the first time, ladies and gentlemen, to what the Core Marshall Podcast is about, prepare yourselves. And if you're tuning into the Totally Awesome Podcast for the first time, we don't care. Whatever happens, happens. 
Well, we know what, with the totally awesome podcast, we know what's up. We use the term awesome very loosely. Very loosely, but loose enough to keep it together. Yes. Loose uh, enough for my so, pantaloons. <laughs> so we start out the show with arguably what I consider to be the one of the best pieces of business of the night. Roman Reigns versus Jay Uso. By the way, does anyone have anything to say about the pre-show? Uh, I see it no. was R-Truth defending the 24-7 title against Drew Gulak. I would actually rather hang myself than watch this match. It really was nothing to write home about. I saw a little piece of it. Eh. Let's just move right along. Why is to the, the 24-7 title still a thing? Because they're trying to milk an idea they had 20 years ago that was eh 20 years ago and even worse in a PG setting. Yeah. yeah. That's the that's 24-7 title for you. It's so bad. But we are going to move right on from that because we start out with the universal title Skyler, what were your Another championship I despise. I know. I know you do, but this might be <laughs> well, one of the best here's matches. The thing, here's the thing. Despite the belt sucking, everything else about the Universal Championship is glorious. It's all thanks to one tribal chief, Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns has really been great. This His heel stuff, I've been really, really enjoyed. And this match was no exception. It was a surprise to start it. Start the show with this match, though. Yeah, I'm very surprised they started the match with a double stipulation match. It was very odd. I They probably should have closed the show with this. Yeah, I, I feel they, like with I Quit, with the Hell in a Still I Quit, which, by the way, I came up with eight years ago, but I'm not getting back into that. Watch the live stream if you <laughs> want to get the actual evidence of that, because that did happen. They and watch our shows. Peter is in the mail. And any, in any event, the Hell in a Cell I Quit, if you're adding the hat on top of the hat that is Hell in a Cell, it feels like everything past this would just lose its luster just as a result. And that did kind of happen. And I will say, I mean, before we really get into this match, I will say I'm just grateful that we had a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view that had a Hell in a Cell match in the show that actually ended. There was no, no contest or disqualification finish for this Hell in a Cell show. Thank God. God, because I was worried that they'd do it three years in a row. They did tease it. Yeah, they did. In this match, actually. Yeah. So, this was, uh, there's really only one spot that I really want to talk about. Do you guys have any spots or points in the match that you really want to articulate? Sky, let's start with you. So, I only nitpick I have about this match is that it definitely felt like it was more storytelling than actual wrestling match. And I think that's Fair. because Jey Uso is not a he's not a diverse wrestler. But Roman Reigns and him really carried the emotional t- storytelling along with enough action violence to really pick up the story. Roman Reigns throws a mean uppercut. Oh he yeah, does. he does. Yeah, now that uh, he's, he's a huge along with Drew McIntyre right and Randy Orton as having the best punches in WWE. Yeah, yeah, un- honestly, an underrated punch, and probably one we'd appreciate looking back at some of his previous matches. Uh, but yeah. definitely, since he's been a heel, it's been a lot uh, more the, intense. The first uppercut he threw at Jey Uso, I thought he popped off Jey Uso's head. Like I saw his head flying back, and I'm like, ooh, that looks like it broke a jaw. It was a terrific sell, too, by Jay. Jay Uso, 
underrated seller. Yeah. I am now coming to really appreciate what he's been doing selling uh, for everything that Roman threw at him. But uh, Skyler, right. what was your nitpick of the match? That it was definitely more storytelling, and that was because they were trying to carry Jey Uso, who doesn't necessarily have a diverse move set. Yeah. And I, I, it's understandable because he's a tag team guy, so he doesn't have to have a big move set in the tag team. Yeah, I but, myself have a critique. of. I really like this match, but I do have a different critique for this match. It felt a little bit of a retread of their Clash of Champions uh, match, except the only difference was the finish and the fact that there was a cage around it. So it it was good. It was really good. Everything that was happening was entertaining and fun to watch. But again, I felt like I was just watching the same exact match from Clash of Champions. But other than that, it was good. You know what like, me and Sean both said on our Clash of Champions review? Yeah. Is that we said that, hey, can we take this match and run it back because it was so good? And lo and behold, they did. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree it was good. But again, I felt like I was watching the exact same thing. And I was like, eh, but it, it, I do think it was better than the Clash of Champions match purely because Agreed. they could use weapons. Well, oh, yeah. not only that, you almost feel like the cell itself, this match could have just been an I quit match without the Hell in a Cell, and I would yeah. have been just as serviced by it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Uh, again, it was a gimmick on top of a gimmick that I don't think really added any gravitas, especially because nobody gets juice anymore either. Plus, the cage what? is red. It looks like a Twizzler cage. They still hate that. It still it's, hate the It does cages. not look intimidating at all. No, it looks more it looks contrived. Like <laughs> it looks like a Twizzler playground. It does. It does, and it's uh, it's it, gnarly. It looks like it belongs in Willy Wonka's candy factory. <laughs> <laughs> and and Uso will start climbing the cage and jumping off, saying "Oompa Loompa." <laughs> if they had gone with that. Instead of do, if they did the Alpha and Sika thing, and then just Roman Reigns just holds his arm up, and then just an army of Oompa Loompas comes up and pulls him away. That would be the Oompa Loompas with Samoa more pink. Oh my god! That would one hundred percent turn my perception around of this show indefinitely. And then Johnny Depp comes on on the stage with a top hat. Oh, God. <laughs> and that's what this uh, match was, folks, was that. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> and another thing, I did not really pay much attention to the commentary tonight. I did have it on. But there were two things that Michael Cole said that just drove me just nuts. Actually, I think it might have been one thing that he said. When Roman Reigns came out, well, no, it was Jey Uso that came out, and he had the thing around his neck, the ring, the flower ring. And Michael Cole yep, says, this thing represents culture and heritage. And I'm like, this boy, the whitest man in the room, this robot man, is talking about Samoan culture. I call bullcrap on this. <laughs> it was so cringeworthy. Could you imagine, though, like, on Instagram, like, next week, you see him, like all the way in the bat like you see them like on an island with like all the wild Samoans Michael Cole lays around him actually like doing ceremonies and stuff <laughs> you remember the old dance that, that the Usos used to do when they were baby faces imagine Michael Cole coming out to the stage and going we're gonna get another Michael Cole heel turn with Roman Reigns oh and they also referenced that heel turn 
And I can't I believe know. it's been almost a decade since that Michael Cole heel turn. I'd like to forget it. I know. And we'll get to that. The one spot I want to mention on this match, though, was the drive-by into the steel steps, into Jey Uso's head, into the ring post. That looked A-grade. Yes, brutal. that was gnarly. That was the most brutal spot of the night. And the slaps, I mean, I loved the, uh, I loved the use of the strap. Again, the cell was not necessary because the strap was serviceable as the weapon. I mean, they both got welts on their back. The story was told well. The only thing I think I have to agree with Sky, like I love storytelling, but there were times when this match was just like two to three minutes of talking. Yeah, there was a lot of screaming. And it, was just, it was just a lot of acting. And it's like, I, I don't mind a little bit of acting in my wrestling, but when it's so, like, it's almost like you're doing cutscenes. Yeah. Without actually doing cutscenes. And I don't need that necessarily as much as I'd rather have the story via the match itself. And another thing, I'm surprised that they let Jay Uso wrap the, the uh, whip around uh, Roman Reigns' neck and choke him. I got some Daniel Bryan flashbacks on that. I'm surprised that people were okay with that. Well, I mean, considering that Jay and Jimmy have both gotten, I believe, arrested a few times, I'm pretty sure that whole family is just untouchable. You know? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I mean, Nia Jax, for Christ's sakes, is still, they're untouchable. Uh, Nia Jax is a champion, don't remind me. Hey, hey, don't worry, King of the Rock, you can do whatever the hell you want. Yeah, you can. Break you can break one of your top stars' noses and ruin one of your pay per views main events, but no, you'll just get a little slap on the wrist and it's fine. And that's but, uh, but this thing, one, but that, still, that much as the talking, like I do agree, they did a little bit too much talking, but the talking really added to this match and really added oh, to without their a doubt, especially without a doubt. Roman Reigns. And this was a point I wanted to make on the Clash of Champions review, but we didn't have a chance to. There's something about Roman Reigns' heel character that I know this is different from other heel characters. And that is that he doesn't enjoy delivering the punishment that he gives. Like, it hurts him to have to hurt Jey Uso and Jimmy Uso the way he does. And that's really different and refreshing, because I'm kind of tired of guys who enjoy inflicting pain because it gives them pleasure. Like, that's such a tired trope. Yeah. Well, I think that they've really built this whole feud up very nicely as the way... it's, It's... on paper, on paper, you look at Roman Reigns and Jey Uso and go, ah, you know, but they really have knocked it and out of the park with just the kind of really in-depth way that they're really tapping into their history and who they are as people, which you don't get enough of, of who they, of people really are, or at least you can believe that they really are. And I think that you're getting that out of this feud and particularly out of Roman Reigns and Jey Uso, not so much Jimmy, but in these matches, you're getting that out of them, and you can feel that, and I think that's why this emotion carries, and even though they're doing a lot of acting, it's kind of okay, because you're still emotionally along for the ride enough to remain invested. There was one more thing, there was one more thing that really stood out to me that I thought was kind of hilarious. They had Appa and Sika come out on stage, and whenever they do like a family-related uh, feud, a bloodline feud, something like this, they'll have family members come out and say, Stop the violence, your family! No, Appa and Sika saw what Roman Reigns did to his cousins, and they came out and they applauded him for it. <laughs> they were I like, Good that. job, Roman! I love that. Isn't, isn't Appa Roman's dad? Yeah. Yes. 
They were like, you beat you your just... cousins up. Good job. <laughs> like, what asshole oh, parents, oh, oh, oh. dude? I'm going to make a point about that later, but let's talk about the finish of this match. I love the finish. Jey Uso laying in the ring, dead to the right, but he won't quit. Roman Reigns about to crush his head with the steel chair, and Jimmy Uso runs in to save his brother, and he's trying to talk to Roman and trying to say, things will be okay. Things will be okay. Stop doing what you're doing. I don't know you, man, but please stop this. We're brothers. We're family. And Roman Reigns with a single tear rolling down the eye right before he puts him in the guillotine choke and Jey Uso quitting to save his brother. That was a great finish. It was a great finish, and it was a great way to make – you felt that. you know. And Roman Reigns really – he didn't really – he wasn't able to make himself cry, but his grimace was close enough to where it looked like he was crying, so I'll give him that. Yeah. It's hard to make yourself cry on the spot, especially when you're probably blown up after 20 minutes of getting slapped around. Yeah. Right, but, but everyone in this match did their parts perfectly. The referee yep. pleading with Jey Uso to quit because he didn't want to see him hurt anymore. Paul Heyman, scared of the monster that he is trying to control. Like, it's, uh, his facial expressions, whenever he was on the side of the cage, he scared of Roman Reigns and what he's becoming. I honestly think that, Sky, you said a couple, I don't know, maybe maybe he was classed to champions. We were talking about it, of how there is some sort of disconnect between Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns, and I think that will eventually lead to some sort of conflict between them, and I do think we are getting Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania oh, no. for the third time. I think we are. <laughs> I think we are. It's the, it's the only match that really makes logistical sense given the circumstances. Who else do you see taking the belt off Roman at this point? The Rock. <laughs> honestly, remember, honestly, I'd be cool with that. At the end of this match, Roman Reigns took his place at the head of the table, and everyone in the family is scared, but they have no choice because Roman Reigns is the most dominant athlete in that family. So imagine Roman Reigns terrorizing the roster for several months until finally The Rock returns to right the wrongs of Roman Reigns. I've been here right, for that. I've got an idea. Now, and now here we are here. Roman Reigns gets hit by a car by Rikishi. <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> no. Who did it for The Rock? I did it because for the, the Roman. Because The Rock doesn't like the fact that Roman Reigns is taking his place as tribal chief, so they have to fight one last time. But Brock Le The Rock and Roman Reigns fight, and Rock wins, and then Brock Lesnar comes to face The Rock, and they just kick Roman Reigns out of the main event, and Roman Reigns fights Rikishi at WrestleMania. <laughs> so, hold on, hold on. What is, what is, what is happening? Is this your suggestion of how we're going to get Rock versus Brock? Brock Lesnar wins the Rumble. <laughs> Please, no. yes. Absolutely. Anything to make no. the internet cry. Dude, that oh, would be... God. Could you imagine that they just did like a trifecta, like three TKO punch of the Roman Reigns out of the main event, The Rock showing up. Brock Lesnar winning the Rumble and coming back and beating The Rock for the championship oh, at WrestleMania. I would love the tears. I would I would bathe uh, in them. 
it would be yeah 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 we have the Raptors are beating the Rock for the title. Meanwhile, Roman Reigns is getting a stink face from Rikishi. <laughs> Gives him a stink face. Rikishi like gets some of Roman Reigns' hair stuck up in there and he gets untangled, then Roman Reigns spears him one, two, three. Now the Usos turn on their father and go back and join Roman Reigns. Ooh, spicy. Listen, see, there's too much to this family. We're already booking half of this show. Let's move on, James. But anyways, anyways. I'm glad that this match happened. I really enjoyed it. Me and too. you are right. It is time for Roman Reigns to face someone new. And who do you guys see him facing next? Uh, Rikishi. <laughs> no. No, it's not who we want to see happen. It's who we think we're going to see happen. Who is, um... Reigns is still on SmackDown, right? Yeah. Yep. They just shuffled everybody up. I don't remember who's where. Here, I'll um, give you a couple Miz. options, okay? The Miz. No. no, he's on Raw. Oh, doesn't matter. He's money in the bank. He can do what he wants. Yeah, that's true. So there's Daniel Bryan. Maybe there's Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy's on Raw. D- uh, this freaking draft. Uh, this is so annoying. This, this the draft. I, I follow the product the most, so I know who's on. I do show. not. There's Daniel Bryan. <laughs> yeah, no, Daniel Bryan. We need help. There's Daniel Bryan, there's Big E, there's Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins? I think I threw up a little bit when you said that. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't. There's no reason for them to fight. I mean, Seth is doing his heel stuff now. Like, he would have to turn babyface. And I'm really not ready for any Seth Rollins in anywhere near the top. No, absolutely um, not. Picture. He's not really in that position at this point. When he, uh, de- when he deletes his Twitter, right? he can get another world title shot. They might give Biggie one match, but I don't think they'll give him more than a one-month program. Unfortunately, I they'll use him as cannon fodder for Roman Reigns. Yeah, to keep yeah. going I on. The, I think probably the best option would probably be Daniel Bryan since he's a family man, and he'll be disgusted by the way Roman Reigns is running his family. And then Roman Reigns can just take over all of Daniel Bryan's family, <laughs> so that he can face John Cena at WrestleMania 37. I can just see the promos now. I can see the vignettes now. Roman Reigns <laughs> screwing Brie Bella. Oh, God. <laughs> you didn't know about the Clash of Champions joke I made when Roman Reigns... I, I said that Roman Reigns should take the life and kids of every person he beat. <laughs> Just mount their heads on pikes. <laughs> no, no, no. He takes the oh wives of servants and he gives oh them his own. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, wait. Wait. I, I said I had brought some facts for this show. Did you know that this Reigns Uso match was put together by Michael P.S. Hayes? Really? Good job, sir. Good job, Michael Hayes. He he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. I will I will give him that. But can we go back to the minute where we were going to put women's heads on pipes? <laughs> It's called yeah, Dominant Sean. That, that joke to a whole different level. Where's Skyler headed by it? That went that jumped like ten notches up to from just taking the wives to just putting their heads on pikes. Like You are welcome, so, Sean. So the next match <laughs> I would rather talk about people's heads on pikes than this next match. The next match was uh Jeff Hardy versus Elias. Um Sky, why don't we start with you? 
what did you think of this match? So we needed a cool-down match after we had a fantastic 30-minute match between Reigns and Usos. The problem with this match is that it wasn't a cool-down, it was an iceberg. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. Joshua, what do you think of this match? Honestly, same. I mean, it was fine. It's the disqualification that kills me. They do disqualifications on every show, and I'm just numb to it at this point. Although, I will say I feel sorry for Jeff... Whoa. Hello, I'm Elias. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? Great. Sorry, Elias is a cameo. Oh, I had to do that. Oh, man. Can you imagine, like, part of Elias' gimmick? He just goes to random, like, wrestling podcasts, and he found ours and just joined the call. <laughs> just part of his gimmick. He just randomly is like, wait a second here. I hear you talking about my match. You better not I came be... to sing a song about how lame you all are. I, I'm going to sing a song about how you guys better put me over on your podcast. Who wants to podcast with Elias? <laughs> Oh my god. Oh boy. Speaking of which, Elias walks to the ring, does his gimmick of, I'm going to sing to the crowd and get heat from the crowd, but there's no crowd. Yeah, this was really stupid. This, I hate they're the really, This was really stupid, given the fact that nobody was really there. Uh, and he, he didn't change it up to like, all he mentioned was like their home that they were in their homes, but he basically did the whole thing as if there were people in the audience, and it did not adjust well enough for me not to be like, oh, "There's nobody here. Why, why? Why are you doing that?" Not gonna lie, what I fast forwarded to the whole we thing. We heard the people. We heard the people booing. At least according to what Kevin Dunn was present. Yes, <laughs> Kevin Dunn's pumping of crowd noise was infuriating all night. Yeah, especially when he was doing the what's ups for R-Truth. And then there was another one that they did that with that I can't remember. They did a this uh, is awesome when someone went through a table. Middle, yes, that. And I was like, that and is also, so phony. And also the this is awesome chance. Yeah. No, it was it was terrible. But this was not awesome. This was can, can, honestly, we, can we mount Kevin Dunn's head on a pike? Yes. <laughs> yes. I Take his wife. Any argument. If there's one thing we will all agree on tonight, ladies and gentlemen, it will be Kevin Dunn's head on a pike. <laughs> <laughs> so, honestly, this match, though, most of it was serviceable. I feel sorry bad. for Jeff Hardy. Like, there, yeah. were, there were two spots. Elias needs to stop doing that electric chair spinning into the powerbomb. He planted Jeff Hardy right on his shoulder. And then Jeff Hardy went for the whisper in the wind. Elias did not catch him. And again, Jeff Hardy lands right on his shoulder and neck. Back to back. You know, bad night for Jeff Hardy. What was awful about that particular spot, too, is that Elias was shown very obviously walking up, lining himself up, setting himself up. So it looked so contrived. Yeah. And then he just got a leg right in the face. Yeah, and then it's just... It was Elias is not that good of a wrestler. He's which really is why not. the guitar is nine tenths of his gimmick. And then after those two really bad landings, they teased Jeff Hardy doing an apron swanton, and I was like, please for the love of God, don't. You almost broke your neck twice already. And uh and then this finish, which tell me in what universe does this finish make sense? It's Good Jeff Hardy, who pretty much has the match won, except that Elias was smart and left the ring before the swan time. Jeff goes after him. 
Elias goes to hit Jeff with the guitar. Jeff takes the guitar, and Jeff the babyface onto Elias the heel uses the guitar directly in front of the referee onto Elias to cause the disqualification. What in God's name are you thinking, Jeff? They have to make their quota. Yeah, but if you're going to do... Sean, what are you talking about right Universe, Sean, broke. <laughs> where rules not many things happen. Allegedly. Um, but it was blinded on the face paint. All I'm going to say. Grab the guitar! High ground. Th this match was otherwise. Couldn't have just let me win. Or let I don't know. And like the Titanic, it sunk my... Well, <laughs> people's court slash wrestlers slash ha ha this edition of wrestlers not knowing what to do with themselves. Affiating between that court case between saying that Otis wrestle is... And Otis is just a fab... Kool-Aid man, look at my lunchbox. And the ruling was they had to have this match at Hell in a Cell. I'm not going to even torture you with my botched description of what was absolutely terrible. It was horrendous, but there was one thing about it that I liked. There was one thing about it that I liked. I liked that the defendant, Otis, they had the stronger case, I guess. But since JBL is a heel, he went for the heel plaintiff and awarded them the case. I liked that. The rest of it was absolute garbage and reminded me of the Little People's Court from 2009. Oh, come on. That was a great segment. It was like a crappy version of that. That was... <laughs> well, the, the I just want to point out that great. on AEW on Wednesday of that week, they had a musical segment with Chris Jericho and MJF. <sighs> and on Friday Night Smackdown, they had this court case segment. And it looks like they guys are trying to out-top each other for terribleness. Wrestling is funny. Ha, ha, ha. Great. Great. I can't wait to watch Full Gear. That's coming up next week. Subtle plug. Stay tuned. Next week, we're watching the Full Gear. We're having the review. Skylar and I are going to blow our brains out. But and I will pick up the pieces and own all of the channels. Yeah, our heads are going to go on the pipe. <laughs> well, tear my life into pieces because this was our last resort. It is Otis versus The Miz. This sucks. There is one thing. There is one thing I loved about this match, and that was the outcome. Everything else can suck a bag of donkey dick. I did like I how John Morrison tried to hit Otis with the briefcase, but the referee caught him in the last second, and John tried to hide the briefcase behind his back. That was funny. You know, you know what that reminded me of? That reminded me of if you guys recalled the Armageddon 2003 World Heavyweight Championship match between Kane Goldberg and Triple H, yeah. where Triple H had the steel chair and he was going to use it on Goldberg, but he ran into Kane and Kane's like, "What are you going to do with that?" And Triple H did the same thing, that where like tried to hide the chair behind his back, and that made me go, "Aha!" And this was what that was, I and it, it was worked. Funny. This match so sucked. Though. I have an epiphany about Otis. What's that? I realized who Otis is. Otis is WWE's version of Orange Cassidy. People like him for some reason because he's entertaining that I do not see, and I think he's a terrible wrestler, and what makes him funny is not funny at all. But he can do the Caterpillar, Skyler. Fuck the caterpillar. Don't you want to see him get out of his cocoon? I want to see Otis metamorphose into the Otis butterfly. I honestly, I that's my least favorite part of his arsenal, is that caterpillar. It's the worst move because Sky Tuhati would do it much better than Otis. Well, not only that, but <laughs> it's just that 
Otis, like, he, I hate his Kool-Aid man thing where it's just like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And, like, that's literally him. I, I've called him the Kool-Aid man because he's about the same width. He's about the same stockiness. And I think if you did put him upside down, he would pour ginger red punch out of his head. Is that is, is that what, what Sean just described? Is that a world championship contender in your eyes, Joshua? Uh, short answer, no. Long answer. No. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you know, honestly, I think the Tucker uh, turn was surprising. I did not see that coming. I don't know whether they were teasing that at some point, but it was uh, it was nice. That it was felt random. And then Miz, Miz being it, just the answer short is no. It was not. It was not planned. It was all of a sudden. It, it, it was, was random. And I, I do not care. Well. Here's why I'm excited about this. If there is ever going to be a time, it's now or never for The Miz. Truthfully, if he's going to have another world title run where he's taken at least halfway seriously, now is the time to have it. This feels like a course correction because they realize, oh shit, we really shouldn't have put the belt of briefcase on POTUS. But what the hell are we going to do? So... The Miz is a better option. It's not the best option, but it's a no. better option. Yeah, I think it adds at least a little more intrigue as far as who he would cash it in on, when, and how. And I think that that's something that the Miz has lacked recently. And I think that is going to really help him if he's going to, like I said, he was not ready for that world title run the first time. I think now he would do a much better job with it. In a just world. In a just world, John Morrison would have been in this match instead of The Miz. Fair. Yeah, because Money Fair. in the Bank, John Morrison, I'm all about that. Yes, I would well, also be... That, that brings up an interesting idea, is that does this lead to The Miz and John Morrison feuding for the briefcase? Maybe. Or maybe Miz cashes in on either Roman or Randy Orton becomes whatever champion, and then they have uh, John Morrison versus Miz. I, I just want to see John Morrison as the world champion, okay? That's all I want in could my life. Imagine, could you imagine if they booked Orton to be a transitional champion for Miz again? <laughs> after Drew, after Drew beat Randy Orton to a bloody pulp or whatever it is going to be at this ne- at Survivor Series, dude, they booked Randy Orton to be a transitional champion for Jinder Mahal. So, so is it a ten year? This is a ten year thing, or every ten years, the Miz has to have a world championship reign because he beat the Randy Orton with. <laughs> Please, yes. Twenty thirty. Where are you at? See, I think I honestly think we have just hit the jackpot here in WWE booking. I think we found the answer, and where they're headed with this. We got Rikishi. We got the Miz as a world champion. We just, got... just repeat something that happened ten years ago. We are going to bludgeon our fans with nostalgia. That's that is that is the WWE way. But, <laughs> but you know, for all intents and purposes, it was good that this match went on before this coming match, also, which is our I... second. Before we get to that, can I just say that the backstage segment with John Morrison, Miz, whoever the inter- girl, interview girl was, was, and Tucker was atrocious? Oh, yeah, I know. I don't even remember what it was. Tucker's acting was so robotic, and John Morrison looked like he was on speed. It was Tucker trying to explain why he was doing a heel turn, and it was fine, but I'm honestly going to tell you right now. There are some people, and I saw this on the internet, 
who are saying that Tucker is going to be the Janetti of this tag team. And I was like, that implies that Otis is the Shawn Michaels. Uh, don't so you no. even dare. Yeah. Uh, I'm I, not I, that. That's people on the I internet. share that level of offense. That that, that that is literal blasphemy. I yes, I concur. I very <laughs> much concur. All right, next match. Otis is a house. Otis is a house show jobber, lower mid card guy. At best, you could hope that he could maybe be a mid card champion. That is taken kind of like a joke, like Santino Morella was. I but can see him as a modern day Santino Morella. Oh my god, that means one day he's going to dress up as a woman. So the next match... <laughs> we'll be right Put on. his head on a pike. Speaking was, of things that have been bludgeoned to death... Was the second Hell in a Cell match. This was for the SmackDown Women's Championship. It's a match that I think is hot-shotted just a little bit. Uh, because this is like four years in the making, this should be a mania match, but let's not get into that right now. Sasha Banks versus Bailey. Hell in a Cell, this match went 24 minutes? 26. 26 minutes. And I felt at least 15 of them. I thought it was pretty meaning, good. I thought it was pretty good. Meaning that I, I got 10 minutes into this match, and then it just... I think it was just from the emotional roller coaster that Roman Reigns and Jay Uso was. I just couldn't get onto the train of this one. I I didn't see the purpose of having a spray painted chair be any different than any other chair, uh, which they made some sort of big deal about. But I don't think it really bore that much significance. This match really needed juice, in my opinion. It would have really made things better. I'm not even going to blame Bailey for abandoning that duct tape spot. It was a bad idea to begin with. It what was, was she trying to do? I don't know. So she was trying to tape the kendo sticks together so they would be in between the cell and the ring. And then she tripped over, and then she realized, that looks so stupid. And then she, she couldn't get the tape open, and she looked at the referee and was like, hey, I can't get this open, can you help me? And the ref was like, no, I'm not going to help you with the tape. <laughs> For the third yeah, that's time, forever. for the third time after the truck at WrestleMania and the box cutter at SummerSlam, terrible product placement. Terrible product placement, and also another understanding that wrestlers do not know how to use basic tools <laughs> at all. I know how to beat up. With, I pick things up and put them Strowman. down. We saw this with Braun Strowman, who instead of making a vertical cut, made this weird C in the ring. I don't know how he did that. And then we got Bailey, who cannot, for the life of her, figure out how to open a roll of duct tape. This is she even this is not looking she good. Tried to open it with her mouth. It was, it was pretty rough. And, and then what just, she tried to do with it didn't even thing. work. That's kind of the thing that took me out of the moment. It's like those moments that were taking just too long to set up that you knew were just parts of set up for other stuff. So it didn't feel like I wasn't getting as emotionally invested in these two beating the hell out of each other because a lot of it was set up and do the spot and then set up and do the spot. And it just wasn't it wasn't as much the storytelling as I would have hoped. I guess I think the main problem that I have with this match is the story is Basically, they tried. They stopped and started a main roster Sasha feud to recapture the NXT feud that was amazing. But they tr they stopped it and started it again. Stopped it and started it again so many times that how could you possibly care at this point? Exactly. And the thing about this match is that they is just like 
let's throw everything on the wall and hope something sticks. And it felt like nothing stuck at all. Yeah, I mean, another thing like the long setup, getting the table, and then Bailey just taking the table down and saying, no table for you. And and just, it, it just, it was long. It just went long, and the spots were long, and it was just... I didn't really, I wasn't feeling it. Ten minutes in, I was enjoying it. They had the first ten minutes I loved. Mm -hmm. And then the match just kind of, I thought the finish was kind of blah, honestly. Uh, it was okay, but I this match I would have much rather seen just in a regular match. I don't think the, the cell was necessary. Logic, for their... Like, the absence of logic throughout most of the stuff. Like, the chair that Bailey brought in gets kicked out by Sasha. And then Bailey, about 15 minutes later, she goes to the door, and she happens to notice that the chair is next to the door, which is not where the chair was. Yeah, I wonder how it got there. <laughs> wow, I didn't even notice that. I didn't even notice yeah. that. Yeah, the chair, yeah. The chair is spray-painted with a shovel on it, or a one, or a dick. The, I don't that know. was a one. <laughs> or a dick. It looked like a dick. <laughs> It was, it was, whatever the meaning was, it was completely lost in translation. Dick marks the this spot. This chair is so important. This chair is so important. All the dumb props, the fire extinguisher, the duct tape, the, the spray paint. Yeah, it just, it, it really, I would have much rather seen just a singles match between these two at this point and really built up to a really important match at Mania Hell. Maybe a Hell in a Cell at WrestleMania, so it can actually bear some significance again. And if with a really with a silver eye cage, eye. not a red one. Yes. Yes. So you know what's the thing that I popped for the most in this match was when Sasha was being attacked by a candlestick by Bailey. Sasha grabs the candlestick and she puts it inside the cell, uh, and then she pushes the candlestick and it goes flying out of the cell and it almost hit Michael Cole in the head. That, that was, was funny. Great. That was funny. She that was trying was to put his great. head on a pike. Dude, I we, which I think again, uh, the three of us can all agree on. Yes. <laughs> Work on your aim, Bailey. And that happened, by the way. That spot happened three three minutes into the match. Oh, and that's another good thing to mention too. One thing I've really liked about Bailey all year from every match I've seen of her is that she is always acknowledged that Michael Cole is in the same room in a closed quarters with her and and yells back at him because <laughs> she can hear him. And I appreciate that from Bailey because she's that's something real that somebody who if somebody was commentating some of the stupid lines that Cole said would do. She goes like, "Shut the hell up, Cole!" I think she yelled, "Shut up, Cole!" at one point during this match. Yeah, she uh, grabbed the candlestick, hit Sasha, and then she held the candlestick and looked at Michael Cole and said, "Shut up, or I'm going to come out there and beat you with this thing." Yeah, see, I, wish I love that. I love the acknowledgement that Cole is right there and that she gets annoyed at what he says. It's the best. I love it whenever <laughs> WWE acknowledges that no one likes Michael Cole. <laughs> But that's Which the thing is that Sasha and Bailey, they both really tried hard. This match not being good is not on them. It's no, just WWE overproducing and over choreographing a match that they didn't really need to overproduce or over choreograph. Speaking of which, this match was put together by Tyson Kidd and Pat Buck. And Tyson Pat Kidd, like, yeah, I don't yeah. know who he is. I feel like the name sounds familiar, but I, I cannot recall Pat Buck 
But Tyson Kidd. Um, let's see here. That's a bit of a surprise. Pat- Patrick Buck. Patrick Buckridge. Oh, he's an Ohio Patrick. Valley wrestling guy. But Tyson Kidd, we know Tyson Kidd, and he just. I don't know what he was doing with this match, but it wasn't working. It was way too was, convoluted. It, yeah, yeah, it was just—it was more spot and less story, yeah. and it's. They, but you're right, Sky. They did try. You can't. They get the gold. You tried sticker because yeah. it really was. You really did put in the effort. We're not knocking the effort. Just, just structure. I think, especially yeah. the finish. And then, and and the finish, which was uh, Sasha uh, getting. A big old bank statement with a chair. Sasha, Sasha getting the bank statement <clears throat> with a chair, and then kicking the chair with Bailey as she's in it, forcing Bailey to tap. Which I get why they did that, but also what hurt this match for me was the fact that the buildup to this was that they had both had crippling, pulmonized neck injuries, and two <laughs> weeks later are right to find it hell in a cell. Yeah. <laughs> They should they have, have like Wolverine genetic Healy factor. A better finish would have been if Sasha got revenge and Pillmanized Bailey's neck and got the pin. That would have been better. And then we didn't see Bailey for a while until maybe WrestleMania when they could have a match and Bailey could win the Rumble or something. I don't know. Why is uh, this company allergic to long-term booking? I don't because think they're allergic. I think they just don't want to. I think that they're. They're so busy trying to keep everybody under that they <laughs> that they they stumble upon things that they can recur upon, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we did that the whole time. We yeah. were totally paying attention." And it's like, "Nah, you weren't," and we know you weren't. But the way to try to piece that all together, yeah, it's, it's like. And speaking of piecing things together, we are in the midst of a burial, gents, of a gimmick that is not good. It is oh, Lashley no. of the Hurt. It is Lashley of the Hurt Business, who I love. I love the Hurt Business. Me too. Going up against Slapjack of Retribution, y'all. Oh god! With, uh, oh. I felt so sorry for this guy. He could not see a thing in his mask when he was wrestling this match. No, no, no. Bobby Lashley, one minute into the match, I rake on the guy wearing a mask. <laughs> <laughs> That's just genius. That's just amazing. Bobby Lashley, as usual, looked great, I thought. Uh, I thought that this... Honestly, this guy, Slapjack, he's not bad. Just, you know, he took everything, everything of Bobby's well. It's just... That his this offense. Was not, this was not meant to be anything more than just another member of Retribution getting beaten. The only thing service... But Retribution at all is Mustafa Ali's promo cutting ability, which I saw in the pre-show, and he actually is pretty solid. And his hair. His freaking hair is amazing. He has a lion's mane, and I love it. So, that this match was, again, another cool-down. But this was another ice-cold cool-down. This was not really anything to write home about. That drop kick that Slapjack... Slap I can't even say his name. Slapjack tried to give Bobby Lashley. Was quite possibly the worst drop kick I've ever seen in my life. It was horrendous. And I blame it on the mask. Well, here's the thing, though, is that in a couple of days, we're going to watch Full Gear. And I will tell you right now, there's going to be an even worse drop kick. They're going to do a thousand of them. If there's anything that Janelle is involved in, it's going to look worse than anything that we saw on this show. 
I guarantee, oh, yeah. I guarantee you that. Can you imagine I, Joey Janela with a mask on that, where he can't see out of it? Like Slapjack? He may wrestle better with the mask on. <laughs> that's, that's sadly true. That is sadly true. But we will get to bashing them later. This, <laughs> this leads us to our main event. Thank God. We don't even care who won that match. It, is, it was Lashley via a uh, full Nelson. It was what you expect. The match was three minutes long. What do you want? Uh, Drew McIntyre facing Randy Orton. Zero, probably 0.6% of this match actually was in a wrestling ring. Uh, but the final cell match of the night, the main event, it was great seeing Drew main event a, a pay-per-view for a change as the world champion. And he loses. And he, he loses. Took him from the match <laughs> that he lost the championship. Well, the second that Drew came out first, I'm like, oh, this motherfucker losing it. It's just like, that's it. There's he's no way that he's winning if he's coming out first. I felt and that this that, match was kind like of long, good. but I enjoyed it. Me too. It was, it was long, and there's one specific segment that we'll talk about later. There was a rib on me and Sean for the first five minutes of this match, and it was the fact that Randy Orton wrestled in pants. <laughs> I noticed that. It was weird. Randy Orton tried to sneak attack Drew McIntyre by dressing up as a cameraman, and then Drew notices it. He attacks Randy Orton. They start fighting their way around the cage and then get inside the cage. And then Drew McIntyre got Randy Orton's shirt off, but Randy Orton kept his pants on. It was, looked like he was baggy, and his trunks looked like underwear. And I was waiting for here go the pants. And now, yeah, well, that's the thing. I was, I was. It was one of two things I had to figure. It was either Tom Phillips getting the opportunity because Angel Garza was no longer on the show, that the tribute to Angel Garza after his injury would be Randy Orton tearing off his pants, and Tom Phillips getting to say with all of the Michael Cole he could muster, "There go the pants." And, uh, <laughs> and that. Jesus. Or Randy Orton was just showing homage to the Usos and Roman Reigns by just bagging up his pants which is not as exciting as the first one, but those are the two options that we had. Yes, they were. Honestly, I would have preferred the Angel Garza tribute because that would have been hilarious. Yeah. I wouldn't have put it past. Yeah, but I have to say, everything Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre does is fantastic, and it's not always the big thing. It's always the little things. The way Randy Orton sells for Drew McIntyre, you can tell how much these guys really love working with each other. Yeah. Yeah. They have chemistry. They do. And and I have to say, I, this might be a bold statement just because of the nature of smartdom. Mm-hmm. And I know I will give a five. I think Randy Orton has had one of the best years of any wrestler this year. He's had one of the best 2020s. With the way that he's been working and how he's been working. How he's been booked. Guys, how much energy he's been put in to how much energy he's putting into the matches he's working. He's working with people he likes, uh, which is another big factor involved in it. It's uh, now winning the WWE championship. Even if he is a transitional champion, you know, I know that this is a bit of a kayfabe uh, statistician, but his matches are all solid. They're the stuff that I look forward to probably the most on most of these cards up to this point. Pretty much his only blemish this year was that WrestleMania match that is probably still going on as we speak. 
No, it can't be because if it was going on even as we speak, we wouldn't be watching this match. No, he has a clone that's still wrestling Edge in that that Last Man Standing match. The Last Man yeah. Standing match or the greatest wrestling match ever? The greatest match ever was actually really good. The Last Man Standing match was... I, I no longer require melatonin when I go to sleep at night. It was long. It was real, real long. And uh, but safe for the I mean, still, everything is up to this point has been a build up there. And I mean, this is no exception. This was a really fun match. They teased a lot of things. What was up with the red lead pipe? Oh, the, oh God. Hold what, on, what? Before we get there, before we get there. So well, do we want to get there? Yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. OK, fine. So Randy Orton, Drew McIntyre, they wrestle in the ring and around the ring in the cell. And then Randy Orton gets a pair of bolt cutters, which Sean immediately pointed out, why the hell do they have bolt cutters for a Hell in a Cell match? Yeah, I would love to know. No one can escape the cell unless you have bolt cutters. (laughs) Which we've conveniently provided you in the ring, so, you know. (laughs) Right. The only thing I can think of is maybe in the sense of an emergency, if the cell doesn't lift up and they need to get inside, they have the bolt cutters, but that's so flimsy. Anyways, Randy Orton climbs the cell for no apparent reason because he can't win the match up there unless he well, because he's in the, the Twizzler Playhouse, guy. He's in the Twizzler Playhouse. He's like, come on, Drew, play with me. I'm going up to the middle of the crew because it's come, a Twizzler. Just come up here well, so we can Randy, eat the cage together, guy. Drew. Well, Drew McIntyre agreed. He goes up to the top. These two are at the top of the cell, almost touching the electric boards at the top of the cell. And Randy Orton has a blood pipe that comes out of nowhere that looks like a red lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, damn. Like, God, if Drew McIntyre pulled out like a green or blue lightsaber color pipe and they started sword fighting at the top of the cage, I would have popped for it. Uh, me too. Like like me, Bully I, Ray I, 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 and that one guy at that one uh, uh, TNA pay per view ten years ago. Yeah, they actually yes. did that ten years ago, and it was amazing. And then Drew McIntyre tries to attack Randy. Randy hits him in the knee because Drew McIntyre was looking at him. And then after this one spot they do with the pipe, Randy drops it. They start coming down the cell on the other side towards the announce table. And Randy Orton hits Drew McIntyre off the cell, and Drew goes through the announce table, and he bit his lip when he was going down to the announce table, and he started coming up in his mouth bleeding. And this was the juice. I was—I mean, it wasn't ideal, but it was at least juice that yeah. I could serviceably accept. I'm like, yay, bloodshed. I and know, we had a- blood not just in a cell match, in the main event. It's um, you know, out of context, saying "yay bloodshed" probably was not the smartest thing to do. But uh, well, we've also been talking about putting people's heads on pikes this entire podcast. True. So that's true. That's let's, true. Listen, we, we did listen, step people, the are, Well, let's be clear when we're saying this: we are not asking for blood because we because we want to see people get hurt and die. We're asking for blood because we want to see the scars that these guys are going through. We want to feel like this is a realistic fight. Like, these two guys are doing hell to each other, and blood helps. It helped with their summer match. It helped with their Clash of Champions match, mm-hmm. and it helped with this match. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and think, you know, 
I'm not saying blood is good for every match because it's not. But in certain circumstances, especially how limited WWE is about it, yeah. it's like when you get it, you're like, oh, yes. So it's like every so often I'd like to see a little bit more. I'd like to see the and, double and that's blade. that's the amazing thing, too. But, three matches that they have and three separate times they're able to get blood. And it's all hard way. Yeah. And it's and that's the kind of thing nobody else lays it into each other like like they do. I mean, I feel like they're beating the piss out of each other because they like each other so much. You know, it's that's like, another strange it's thing to really, say out of context. Really sexual when you think about it. It's uh, it's remember, it's really... remember at the beginning of this matchup, Randy Orton had Drew McIntyre's head down and he started whispering sweet nothings in his ear. And then about five minutes <laughs> okay. held Randy Orton's head down and he whispered sweet nothings to Randy Orton. Asking each other to shake each other's hands. That's true. That's true. That is true. And Randy Orton had his pants around Drew McIntyre's neck and started choking him with it. <laughs> and you said it looked like a red uh, a red lightsaber. I was gonna say like a like a flashlight, but no, no, because it was too big. They don't make them that big. <laughs> Where's this going? And folks, as we are approaching the hour mark here on the on the uh, Hell in a Cell 2020 review, I'd like to remind you that there is sponsor space available. That's right. <laughs> if you would like your advertisement, your product to be showcased on the Core Marshall Podcast, you just hit me up, and we will have a conversation about getting your product placement here. I can do discounts if you want the discounts as far as promo codes and all that this would be where you put it right now in the middle of this exact conversation this Dude. with where you can be just contact I we're gonna get an advertisement for a second i just had an idea instead of putting people's heads on a pike put their heads on a flashlight no well, no we're not okay drawing the line here <laughs> listen listen joshua i had to I had to have Marco Stunt arrested on my show to write him off for that damn day. <laughs> oh, I'm dead, dude. So, so Drew and Orton <laughs> go up to the top of the cell and just come back down. For the big it. finish. Because because there was no jump off the cell because there was no one named Shane McMahon in the match, so you couldn't do it. Yeah. Because only I Shane really jumped off the cell. I that Randy Orton would RKO Drew McIntyre on the top of the cell. Dude. If he did, they need to do that one year. Well, this was a... It would, it would be something. So they fight back into the ring, and then it looks like Drew's got the match when he hits a claymore, there's a kick out, and then he well, tries to no, go... No, 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 Clash of Champions, or not Clash of Champions, that SummerSlam, and I like does that not callback. get it. Then gets the Claymore, then Randy Rhodes out of the ring, then he tries again and gets RKO'd. Yeah, I, one RKO, and one, that's the match. One RKO, the most dangerous three letters in sports entertainment, ladies and gentlemen. I am I never don't know going if these guys have noticed this, but they're really reducing the number of finisher kickouts. Because now it takes only one finisher kick out. It only takes one finisher most of the time to end matches. Thank God. I am all about protecting finishers, but I feel like this would have been one of those times to make Randy Orton give two of them. Yeah. It's a hell in a cell. 
It's the third time these two have faced each other. It's really the only match that feels like it deserved to be in the cell in the first place. It, this could have been... I could have taken a second RKO here, and that is something I do not normally say. Or he kicks out of the RKO, and then Randy Orton punts him. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, something like right, that. Right, like something sort of an escalation of Randy Orton to a higher move. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only complaint I really had with this match. Everything else was fun. Yeah. But and also and also my favorite spot in this entire match was the belly to belly suplex to the table. The rotation Randy Orton great. got on that suplex. I've never seen Randy Orton move so fast. But that looked brutal. Oh, are you talking about Randy Orton moving fast? He did a neck breaker, his neck breaker or well, not a neck breaker, or bat breaker. The thing where he does it over his back. Yeah, he, yeah, he, did, he did that like over the neck back breaker, yeah. Yeah. He did it so quick to Randy Orton, and he almost never does it quick. Yeah, it was nice. It's great seeing Orton try. Yeah. He's been given opponents so that he can try, and I like that he's been trying this year. And maybe that's why I'm looking so highly on him. But I still – I feel like this with people still would have fallen flat. Unfortunately – and it wouldn't have been the fault of either of those two. I think it would have just been the way the finish went. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that the reason that they're only doing the one finisher kickout thing is because there are no people in the audience. If there were people in the crowd, they definitely would have done two RKOs or an RKO followed by a punt. Yeah, I, I suppose. I suppose. But then again, this is WWE we were talking about, so we're having to assume that they would have inserted additional logic into what little they've already spared to put this show together. But overall, Sky... Oh, you want to know who put together that match? Who did put that match together? Chris Park, Abyss. Really? Of course. That's interesting. Of course. Abyss, Abyss is a great agent. Good on him. I've always liked Abyss. Well, we'll have to have a superstar spotlight on Abyss and his career because he's got he's got some things to definitely dive into, and that'd be really fun to watch. But overall, Sky, Hell in a Cell 2020, your final thoughts on the show altogether. So this show was three hours, and it didn't feel like three hours because it didn't drag. Yes, there were cooldown matches, but they were short enough that I could just you know breeze by them. Moreover, the two matches, the one that started the cell, Hell in a Cell, and the one that ended it, were both exceptionally good for me. And you can't really say that about most WWE shows. And there was enough that I found enjoyable. I'm not going to give it a higher score than I probably normally do, because there are still things that are kind of dragging the show down for me. But this show for me was definitely better than SummerSlam. It was definitely better than Clash of Champions, which I gave 5 out of 10. So I'm going to give this show a 6 out of 10. All right, a 6 out of 10 from the one and the only Skylar Greenberg. All right, Josh, again, give us your ranking. Uh, well, as we were watching the show, as I was watching it live, I was sending you guys messages, and I was like, oh, I like this. This absolutely sucks and is hideous. Why are they doing this? So I don't think I... I, I enjoyed all three Cell matches. I know you two were kind of hard on the Bailey sasha match. It was probably the least good, it was definitely the least good cell match on the show, but I still personally enjoyed it, although I did feel it was a little too convoluted, and Bailey wrestling with with duct tape was hilarious. Uh, but yeah, the, the cell matches were good, everything else was either eh or just sucked, so 
I'm going to be similar to Skyler. I'm going to give this a 6.5 out of 10. Wow, six point a higher score. And a 6. Which which brings it down to me, and, and I... Overall, I feel like this was a bookended show. Mm-hmm. You know, it had a great first match that I was really invested in, and a fun main event that had its it really had its moments. And props to Drew and Orton also for having two cell matches going on before it, and still being able to make that gimmick feel fresh and workable. Uh, and everything else was kind of it was okay. Everyone, I the Miz. Taking the briefcase from Otis, a the pop highlight for me was was that going down. It kind of that was almost like that little teeny glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel for WWE. They're like, oh, they're starting to get something. And I know I shouldn't have that glimmer of hope, but I'm going to give this show. <laughs> also Sean, you should know better by now. <laughs> I'm also going to give it a six and a half with the idea that maybe the last few Survivor Series have not been that bad. So with some hope that maybe Survivor Series will be better. Well, here's so, the thing. Um, uh, one of the people that is wrestling on Survivor Series is Nia Jax. Oh, no. And she's also teammates with Lana. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Otis will be there, too. Great. So, Do we have to watch Survivor Series? No. We're watching Survivor Series. <laughs> Why do you hate me? Joshua. Joshua, I'm going to give you a pass on Survivor Series. Oh, uh, who am I kidding? Survivor I'm going to watch it anyway. I'm not. You're, you're watching Survivor Series. I have no choice because I'm his co-host. No, yo, you both, did, you you watch your mouth, sir. But you have to, you also, Josh, again, I know. have to watch. I know. We're, we're going to make this happen, Survivor Series, so booking a future Daddy date. Says, watch how the, we do it. Daddy says watch Here's the shitty show and like also shake my hand. And so with that said, first of all, Skyler, thank you very much for being a part of this Hell in a Cell 2020 review. Always great to have you on the show, my man. Thank you, my man. And I will see you all next time after I watch. Next week year. for Full Beer. <laughs> and thank you all for joining us, all three of us, on the Totally Awesome Podcast. And I guess we will see you guys next time. Good night, everybody. This has been an interesting double podcast. And I look forward Good to more night. in the future. And that's going to close up the Totally Awesome Podcast. Josh, again, thank you very much. It's now time for the Court Martial Podcast to take our first commercial break. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you after these short messages.